This is Brave New World. Welcome to the Brave New World podcast, where we look at what sort of world we want to live in post-pandemic, how to live and do business sustainably, and the wicked problems of climate change. How can retail survive and thrive, and what will it look like? Today's podcast is all about why retailers need an alternative business model to survive. About a year ago, I wrote a blog with this very same title, but this is all the more relevant now why retailers need an alternative business model to survive. Before I look at the business model, let's look at the retail landscape first, and it's not a pretty picture. The media have been reporting about the demise of bricks and mortar retail and the retail apocalypse for the last couple of years. But the retail apocalypse is definitely here now. It's galloped up on us and has overtaken a lot of retailers. The pandemic has hastened the demise of many household names, and most of them have been on pretty dodgy ground for months or years. The list of failed or failing retailers is long, starting with House of Fraser and my friend Mike Ashley that I've written about before. By the way, you can find my blog written last year, Why Does Mike Ashley Want to Be the CEO of Debenhams, on my website, retailrenewal.ie. But I bet he's glad he's not the CEO now. Back to the failed retailers. Along with Debenhams in Ireland, J.C. Penney and Neiman Marcus in the US, it looks like the days for department stores are truly numbered. This business model of a large city centre store that sells everything doesn't resonate with today's customers. Fashion has been really hit with the likes of Warehouse, Oasis, Kath Kidson, Laura Ashley, Karen Millen, Coast and Jerry Webber, to name but a few, all going into liquidation. Card shops, Clintons and Hallmark are both gone. This is just a snapshot and it's quite depressing to think of all those jobs disappearing and all those shop fronts being boarded up. And we've probably not seen the worst of it yet. All over Europe, businesses are reopening after the lockdown. Some will survive and thrive, but some will not. How many will survive the next few months? Will they make enough money to pay the back rent and keep their heads above water with all the restrictions of trading in a pandemic? So is there any good news amongst all of this? Well, yes, there is. Who has done well in a pandemic? Food retailers for a start. At the beginning of the pandemic, it was like Christmas for them every day, many reporting increases of 40% or more, and particularly small local retailers that could that, that people could access easily, they've witnessed a huge upsurge in demand. Delivery services from big supermarkets were overwhelmed with customers waiting weeks for delivery slots. Into this void stepped local independents who were quick and nimble enough to offer a delivery service, which might have been ad hoc before, but now took on a life of its own. Many were simple services without a fancy website or app, the customer rang the local store with an order and it was delivered in a day or so. Really useful for the many who were cocooning. And of course, the rise and rise of online shopping. From the middle of March, this was the only way to get product to the customer for non-essential retailers. Anyone with a good online site saw a big boost in sales, up to 400% according to some reports. Many retailers realised that they needed to get online or improve their e-commerce offering. The spin-off from this was that web designers and e-commerce companies were busier than ever before. 
By the way, I'll be covering all things omnichannel and e-commerce in my next podcast with Paul Dunn of Flying Fish. So listen out. Independent retailers found innovative ways to connect with their customers. Without a website or e-commerce platform, some sold directly through social media. One of the silver linings of the pandemic is that consumers have had time to think about what they really need. Based at home, they've started to realise what's available in their locality without having to get in their car and drive to the big shopping centre many kilometres away. So what does this mean for the alternative retail model? Let's look at a couple of successful retailers with an alternative business model. Yvonne Chouinard, the 81-year-old founder of Patagonia, sounds very left field. He believes stock market valuations are, to quote him, absurd. Investing in shares is buying blue sky and modern day capitalism is destroying the planet. He may well be right. Yet he, tur- he owns a $1 billion turnover company that started up in 1973. It uses 100% organic cotton and donates 10% of the profits to environmental charities. Chouinard also has the right idea on where the consumer sits in the change process. To quote him, You've got to change the consumers first and then the corporations will follow and then government will follow the corporations. They, governments, are last in line. In some ways this is unsurprising as many corporations have revenues that have revenues that exceed entire countries' GDPs. He was definitely ahead of his time, yet he, pr- yet he has proved that by being a responsible retailer you can also be successful and grow. I've written previously about Ingvar Kamprad, founder of IKEA. In the introduction to his 1976 book, The Testament of a Furniture Dealer, he wrote, We have decided once and for all to side with the many people. What is good for our customer is also, in the long run, good for us. This is an objective that carries obligations. What both of these retail success stories have in common is that they don't neglect their consumers or their workers to to placate the shareholders or to enrich themselves. Both Patagonia and IKEA regularly rate well on the Great Place to Work survey and often have more progressive work conditions than other comparable companies. In last year's blog post, Why Retailers Need an Alternative Business Model to Survive?, I outlined my list of attributes for the retailer of the future, and they are the same now. Number one, and most important, is to be totally in the shoes of the customer. So very important and all the more important now. You need to know who your customer is and what's important to them. Second is omnichannel, and I've also written about this in a previous blog post. An omnichannel approach is to put the customer at the centre of your sales and marketing strategy. In a world of 3 billion plus smartphone users, the customer is now in control of how they view a product or brand. Ironically, this means that the interaction between the customer and your product or store is now more personalised. More about this in the next podcast. Third is be proactive and have a really proactive approach to the changing market. And this is never more relevant than in these unprecedented times. Number four is... Have a reactive financial reporting structure. Accounts are historical and only tell you what's happened in the past. A reactive financial reporting structure looks at what's happening now and how how it can inform you for the next week or month or year. 
The next one is to operate to the triple bottom line. The triple bottom line I've also written about in a previous blog. Surprise, surprise. Um, profit is one of the three things of the triple bottom line, and that's the traditional measure of a company's success. But the other two are to be environmentally responsible and socially responsible. And that's a big subject that I'll be coming back to. And lastly, but by no means least, every business needs to be rooted in the community, to be part of the community where you trade and how and in that community you are known and trusted. And all of this chimes in with where we are now. Consumers, you and me, are realising the value of shopping locally and supporting small business. Minister Heather Humphreys here in Ireland also called on us all to support local businesses at the start of phase two of easing the restrictions on the 8th of June. SMEs make up over 90% of the enterprises in Ireland, but have not always been the focus of the Department of Business and the enterprise agencies who have traditionally favoured foreign direct investment. But back to the bad news. What do the retailers who haven't survived all have in common? Without stating the obvious, they are the opposite of what I've just been discussing. And to generalise, these are. They are big companies with a big cost base. They've got a big debt burden, often built up by overexpansion. Their top management is divorced from their customer base. They rely on a business model based on historical information. They are slow to change, the super tanker syndrome, which I've also written about previously, and they are slow to embrace new technology and new ways of doing business. So who will survive? Who are likely to be the survivors of the storms and stress of the current pandemic and the economic fallout? For my money, and you've guessed it, it's the smaller independent retailers. They are nimble and adaptable as proven, as so proven in the last few months. They are really in touch with their customers and are willing to invest in technology to keep them shopping with them. If that wasn't obvious before now, it is now. The old business model is broken. The choice now is to find the alternative for your business or die. Thank you for listening to the end of this podcast and I hope it sparked some new thinking for your business. Links to all the blogs etc are listed in the show notes on Anchor. You can find out more about me and read my regular blog posts on my website, retailrenewal.ie. Follow me on social media as Linda Ward or Retail Renewal and listen out for the next podcast. And please subscribe on your favourite podcast channel. Thanks again and chat to you next time when I'll be talking to Paul Dunn of Flying Fish about e-commerce and omni-channel and what it means for your business. This is Brave New World. 